2: are you kidding me are you kidding me i never thought we'd survive i never thought we'd survive hi again everybody it's jungle Jim jerome coming at you with yes thank god i passed the litmus test last year (laughs) it's another episode of inside curling We're back at it with you guys. Thanks, everyone, for uh, tuning in again. It's our first show of the year, and uh, we couldn't be happier and more excited uh, to be back on. We had a great year last year, uh, and we thank all of you for listening. Of course, these things don't work if there's no listeners, unlike this weekend's uh, Points Bet. We'll talk about that. Of course, we're joined each and every show this year is no different by our two World Curling Hall of Famers. Kevin Martin, and Warren Hanson. We weren't sure where you were going to end up, Warren.
3: Wait, was I going somewhere, Jim? Well, I
2: don't know. We just don't know with you. You know, Kevin and I are always (laughs) just got a million things. I just assumed, Warren, you were doing a bunch of interviews with Curling Canada. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Uh, We would like to thank all of our sponsors, of course, who are back with us, and some new ones. Jackpot City uh, joins us this year. Hearing Life, Coyote Tractor, and Gold Line uh is back at it again and we really appreciate them kev you were away actually uh in one of the curling hotbeds on the planet north carolina (laughs) you were down there doing a clinic uh we're going to find out about that well let's hear about it now tell me tell me how was it
1: well yeah you know what now it may be a hotbed going there i didn't think it was a hotbed but uh the triangle curling club in raleigh north carolina it uh they became a dedicated club in 2015. So they were like an arena club, Jimmy, if you know what that yep. is kind of where they share with hockey and figure mm-hmm. skating and stuff. But then they became a dedicated club in 2015 with a whole 80 members, Jim. But now, just a few years later, and obviously there's a year or two of COVID in there, they are 360 members. Yep. And we always consider in Canada, uh, 100 members per sheet is full. But uh, Rich Dauphin, and he's in charge of corporate events he had over 120 corporate events in one year smart his his record is 153 corporate events in one season so it's crazy so you have 360 members that's basically full but then try to stuff in between 120 and 153 corporate Mm -hmm. events Mm -hmm. so it's the place is a crazy place (laughs) it's it's so full but but I do want to thank Murray and Kathy Jackson because they put me up for a couple of nights we went through quite a bit of their uh, their wine stock so that was good but we had a heck of a good time and Clifford Gray put on the event and uh, quite a curling club ice was fantastic so it's just kind of a yeah when it comes to curling a nice gem in uh, in North Carolina.
2: Why do you think it's working Kevin Uh, this this isn't the first time you know that we look up and our eyebrows are raised, going that 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 to me sounds like a very non traditional curling place, you know North Carolina. There's some other countries that we're going to talk about later that are that are getting into the curling game. North Carolina is a golfing hotbed, college football, and 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 golfing. Yep. Why do you think it's working, Kevin, with these places that I, I would otherwise say no way, we're not going to try it there,
1: R- right? And that, that's. Oh, kind of when I when I came back and t- talking to Sean about it, like it makes your head, you know, shake your head. But the uh, the Friday night, so the, um, I did schools during the day on Friday, yep. but then Friday night is so full that that they had their their first night, and Friday night is all first year curlers, all beginners, right. pretty much, um, and that's just normal in, in the clubs, and they're excited. Um, it's the atmosphere is incredible. This club is actually a complete volunteer run club. So there's no paid manager, no paid, uh, like Rich doesn't get paid for running the corporate. Mm-hmm. Um, ice makers are volunteer, the whole bit. And it just it runs really well, but it's such a busy place. It's hard to imagine that it can be volunteer because it's it's morning to night, mm-hmm. packed. Yeah. So why is it working? Uh, I think the atmosphere, the fun, everybody's excited to play. Curling's just really, really growing in, in the U.S. right now, Jim. I think that's the bottom line. It's not just North Carolina. Yeah. It's all over the place. And uh, during this winter, I'm going to be in quite a few different cities down teaching clinics. So I'll report back to you guys with uh, all the different cities I'm going to.
2: Boy, I'll tell you what, that number alone where that manager did 153 events. Uh, I, <laughs> in one year. In one year. Different yeah. events, different corporate events. Hard to imagine. How it's I bet a lot of people are listening going, I got to talk to that guy, man. It's always a struggle, right, for these clubs to do it. So uh, welcome, North Carolina. Uh, here's what's on the show. What's happening around the curling world? Uh, A lot of things to talk about since the last show. And of course, we just mentioned the points bet. We're going to break that down and get your comments, fellas. Curling Canada made a few announcements over the summer. We're going to tell you what those are and uh, get your opinions. The World Curling Federation uh, held its annual general meeting at the start of September and made an announcement of two more nations, as I just mentioned. You won't believe who they are uh, becoming members. Also, over the summer, two more well-known personalities from the curling world have uh, died, and uh, we're going to look at those uh, people. I I remember meeting uh, one of these fellas, and uh, our our condolences certainly go out to the family, but Warren's got some background on those. Hot Rock Topics brought to you by Coated Tractor. We're going to talk about a couple of rule issues. For the second year, Curling Canada had a special rule for the Points Bet Invitational, where the teams were allowed 19 minutes to play the first five ends and 19 to play the back five ends. Also, one timeout was offered for the uh, first five ends, another one for the last. And ties were broken with a single rock shootout. Holy man. And you win 50K. One shot for 50K. We're going to tell you who won that. WCF sort of dealt with the eight ends versus 10 ends uh, at the annual general meeting in September, and uh, we're going to take a look at that. In the house, Goldline's been with us the whole way along. Uh, Reed Carruthers, uh, he'd be the hottest curler going on right now, the hottest coach, got the hottest third. <laughs> this guy just surrounds himself with great people, and Reed's going to join us to talk about his victory this past weekend. What are you hearing? Brought to you by Hearing Life. Uh, we've been seeing on social media that a lot of people seem to think TSN should be streaming all four sheets of ice during uh, a season of uh, Champions event. And Sportsnet, our boys, should be doing the same thing with the Grand Slam of curling. Uh, We're going to talk about this. Warren, I know you have lots to say about it, and you're really smart about it, so I want it. I like it. I was talking to Warren last night about it. He said, well, Jim, you're not very smart. (laughs) 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 Let's do it. Let's get it rolling. Thanks again for joining us. First show of the year. What's happening around the curling world is brought to you by Jackpot City. Jackpot City. Casino games perfectly made for you. Let's break it down, boys. Uh, Warren, you can go first. What happened this weekend at the Points Bet Invitational?
3: All right. Well, we'll do a quick recap of what, what actually happened there. So there were 16 men's teams, 16 women's. A little different situation. In fact, that out of those 16 teams, eight were the top ranks. But eight were from, what I will maybe say, secondary championships, the juniors, the curling club event, uh, university, etc. cetera. Mm-hmm. And those teams got to go up against one of the top teams in the nation in the first round. I think only one managed to squeak through against uh, Cooey in that first round, but the rest uh, had one game and were going home because it was sudden death. Money, uh, they got a win. They got $3,000 initially. Once you hit the semis, you got 6000 for the win. And going into the finals, the winners got 12000 before they played off in the final for 24. Mm-hmm. So again, that was a little different way of doing things as well. Some pretty good games. Um, I think the other thing that was different was the ties weren't broken. They were solved with a shootout. And, of course, we saw that happen in a lot of the games once we hit to the final four. On the men's side, pretty much as expected, Gushu, Crothers, Dunstan from the top ranks. McEwen a little farther down the line as far as his ranking, but missing were Cooey and Botcher. So a little bit of a change there. On the women's side, also a couple of new teams, a lot of Sir and Black joined veterans, Homan and Einerson. Holman and Einerson making the final. So, in the women's division, it was a bit of a wild game. Einerson was up quickly, 4-2 uh, to two after four ends, but things changed in the fifth when Holman scored three, and from that point, it was pretty much uh, Holman's uh, game all the way. She finally won it 9-7. to seven. Hats off to Rachel. She gave birth to her third child in August and came out there in uh, September to uh, win the event. So, that's uh, phenomenal thought the highlight on the women's side was young Marla Plett, who played Jennifer Jones in that first game. To remind you, last year, Mila won the Canadian Juniors and the Canadian Under-18 Championship for the women. She's 18 years old. She took Jennifer Jones to an extra end. And wow, that uh, young lady is going to be a, t- a cl- player of the future without question. I'm sure Kevin will have something to say about that. On the men's division, also a bit of a wild game. Dunstan was in control most of the way. And after eight ends, here were the percentages, 94% for Dunstan and 89% for Cruthers. Very well played. But Cruthers was down three going into the ninth end, and as we'll talk to him later about, did something a little different. He deliberately blanked the ninth end and then managed to score three coming home and managed to beat Dunstan in the shootout. So that was something that we won't see too often as to how he was able to win. Some interesting things, Kevin, maybe like to comment as well. I'm not sure why this event was 10 ends, when everything else except probably Briar, Scotties, and Worlds, are now down to 8. I'm not sure if the shootout rules were the way they should be. We think maybe that should be a little bit differently. And I think there were some ice issues that weren't said to... It wasn't too much talked about, but I know they had difficulty putting the ice in. And uh, according to TSN, they centered the rocks twice during the event, which is very unusual as well. So... Uh, I think overall it was a pretty good event. I think it got the season kicked off, and uh, let's hear what Kevin's got to say about it all from North Carolina. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's the thing; I didn't get to see a lot of it because because uh, I was in uh, was out of out of the country, and there's not a lot of coverage uh, down south. But single knockout, I th- I don't know. Like uh, I think the players enjoy it, this one time event kind of thing, uh, or one time one time during the year. You know, you travel a long way to play one game, so you know it's kind of a I think the players enjoy it. One time, I don't. I don't think they want to have the whole sport go to that. I don't think. Uh, draw the button. I love the idea of of, of a game being uh, draw the button. I think it's like a shootout in hockey. I love watching it. I think it's fun. They're throwing on the same side. I, I you know, I, I understand the concern that maybe one side of the sheet is better than the other. You know that that concern, but to be able to throw the same side twice, it, it seems like the the second shooter should have the advantage, but it—I guess—it didn't turn out that way <laughs> with the uh, with the event the way it, it turned out. Reed going first, but I would think that you would go both sides would make the more most sense, Warren. I would think.
3: Yeah, I, I think so as well.
1: Ten ends? though, I don't. I can't imagine why it was ten ends. Uh, I, I can't imagine why any game in curling is more than eight. But that's uh, still that's an ongoing discussion that will continue on, I guess, and. uh uh Oakville we've played there quite a bit over the years beautiful place to play uh the weather was tough on curling because it was beautiful there I think around 25 degrees and lovely every day which makes it tough for people that want to go inside and watch a curling game when you can be just walking uh, outside or playing golf or playing tennis or whatever it is you do so uh time of year is a tough one in Oakville because it's just such a gorgeous time of year down there
2: yeah they showed uh, you know when they panned the crowd there was no crowd. <laughs> yeah,
1: I saw a little bit of stuff on on. I was going to say on Twitter, but there's no Twitter anymore. On X, and uh, and and noticed the the lack of the people. But we had a slam in Oakville a couple of times recently, and the crowds were were okay. They're pretty good. They weren't like a, you know, going to Saskatoon or to Regina, but good crowd. So I, I was a bit surprised to see uh, the the attendance, what the way it was.
2: Warren, I I hates a strong word, but I hate this idea of closer to the button, only a one game, sudden death thing. I get it for preliminary rounds, weren't for games leading up to it. But, you know, in hockey, you got the shootout, right? To decide these games. Well, once the playoffs hit, you know, where there's no more shootout. Okay. Once the big money's on the line and, and I think curling should do that as well. Eight ends, maybe Kev, you know, that, that all, all the lead up games, but maybe, maybe the finals, 10 ends. And why would you go 10 ends, which is fine and not play an extra end for the big trophy, you know? So I don't like it, Warren. I don't like it. They should do what I say.
3: Well, it's it's <laughs> another way of looking at things. I think the better solution would have been eight ends and play extras in all probability. But I, I know it's a time mm-hmm. issue. And I guess a lot of games are going to come down to drawing the button, regardless whether it's done through a shooter, whatever it is. So it's going to be the same shot. It's just under different circumstances. It's something we're not used to. I know people don't like it in other sports. don't like it in soccer. They don't like it in hockey. But when you're looking at time and uh, broadcasting, et cetera, et cetera, mm-hmm. uh, you have to consider that. And I think that's uh, what's bringing that into play more than anything else.
2: All right. Uh, Kev, no rest for the wicket. Uh, there's another big event in a couple
1: of weeks. Well, in a couple of weeks, actually, we have a first Grand Slam in Niagara Falls. And that's only... Uh, that's only about 90k so like a 45 minutes or an hour's drive from Oakville actually uh talking to Christy Christy's the manager of uh of the event and so we're talking about ticket sales in Oakville but uh in Niagara it's almost sold out there are a few tickets left it's not completely sold out but it's pretty much because of the amount of people coming they're putting up a tent a big tent in the parking lot with live music and uh right and 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 in skiing uh sure i'm not a skier but it's like a, a Apre ski. So we're doing an Apre curl in the parking lot in Niagara Falls. Yeah, it's going to be huge crowds. We've got lots of local sponsors uh, involved. It's just, uh, it's it's kind of funny, I guess. You just go down the road a little bit and uh, it's, it's going to be a massive event in Niagara Falls. But you know what? It is tough when you've got such international players that are so popular now. If you talk about, you know, the Nicodines and Bruce Mowitz and Joel Retornas, or you talk about Silvana Terenzoni or Tabitha Peterson or Silvana uh, Stefania Constantini or all, you know, so on and so on. There's just so many strong international teams that I think people really want to see Uh, when it comes to curling. That's probably has a lot to do with it as well. It's just uh, such a deep field when it comes to the grand slams and people love to watch it. And it's more of a party atmosphere as well. I think there's a bit of a difference. I don't want to be, I don't want to be too negative here, um, at all, one way or the other, but it just the, the grand slams yeah. appeal to a, a wider audience. If I think Warren, is that fair to say?
3: Well, it's an international event versus the one we just uh, witnessed, was strictly Canadian. And we that might have been the case a few years ago that the main focus on uh, with the top players was Canadian, it certainly isn't anymore. And I was looking at the rankings here of the top 10 in men, top 10 in women a couple of days ago, and it's pretty much split 50 50, five Canadian teams, five worlds. So, that's changed in, uh, a lot in recent years.
2: You probably hit the nail on the head, Kev, with uh, it's unusually warm down east, and, and so that's tough to draw. You know, it's October, right, when when that event finished. Uh, the other one was the Blue Jays were in a run, and I wonder if people were staying home to, to watch that. They, they had a huge audience watching that. Anyway, there we go. I'm smelling uh, tailgating about to take over curling. Why do you say that, Jimmy? Hang on here.
1: That's something that... We live pretty close together. Yes. But this is nothing you and I have talked about, We're, right? You and I have not talked about this. No, no. Well, you'd no. you mentioned the après ski idea. which No, is, but this is something that's been talked about behind the scenes now. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely hitting something that wasn't going to be talked about for a little while yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good I, for you. I, it's begging for it to happen. It is. We're going down uh, to Niagara early. So the Buffalo Bulls, that's the university football team. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're going to play and also the Bills on back-to-back days the weekend prior so Sean and I are actually going to fly down and head over to Buffalo which is only about 30 minutes from Niagara right to to take in a, a couple of uh, tailgate parties because <laughs> you they all do it at the university at, at Buffalo they have a they have a huge party before yep. the games and of course the bills uh, they're, they're they're crazy so so uh, yeah we're going to go back that'll,
2: that'll that'll hurt a little bit but back-to-back days on the tailgating yeah they're super cool uh, okay let's whip along um curling canada made a number of announcements over the summer we're going to take a look at those but uh, the biggest one which uh, surprised everyone in early july ceo Catherine henderson was leaving at the end of august uh and she's going to become the huge job here the ceo of hockey canada warren what's that all about
3: yeah that was a bit of a a surprise announcement. I I certainly, I expected Catherine to move going on somewhere uh, soon because she's been there now about seven years and I think that was probably, she was ready to move on. So I think we want to wish her all the best luck in her new job, which is going to be certainly a challenging one. However, they've now got to hire a new CEO. That process is starting, set to be concluded probably by the 1st of January. Danny Lamoureux has been named as the interim CEO. What are they facing going forward? You know, that's a good question. I mean, I think there's a lot of things that have got to be looked at for the long-term survival of, of Curling Canada in a very positive mode. I think they've got huge issues with uh, all the facilities across this country as keeping their head above water. Um, I think they need to review and define the purpose of all their championships because they have so many of them. Do they need them all? And I think they have to look at a different route exactly as to how the high performance end of the sport is going to be handled. I think they almost need to look at a two-silo uh, operation. And when I say two silos, the fact that the curling club end of things and everything impacting them should be very separate from the high performance and the major championships, which is probably something that should have been done, should have been done long mm-hmm. ago. And these are the challenges I think a new CEO is going to be facing, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, what they do with, with the many issues that they do have to contend with.
2: What do you think? Any names floating around? Will Danny step up as the
3: full-time one? No, Danny retired actually in uh, June. So he was brought back out of okay. retirement actually. So, And I think they made a stipulation. And one of the reasons Danny came back is uh, you couldn't apply for the CEO job and be the acting CEO. So I think possibly Nolan Thiessen may be looking okay. at the task uh, as to why he wasn't the one who stepped up. So not sure. Kevin's maybe got some views on I don't
1: actually. I don't have any names. Nolan's certainly the the one that I I kind of think of. But it's it's going to be a tough job.
2: There's a lot of work to be done. There's a lot of work to be done in our sport right now. No question. Can you imagine, Kev, when the uh, they do pick a new CEO and they sit down to have their first meeting, and they and the CEO says, "Okay, what do we need to watch out for in the coming season?" And they go, "There's this guy named Warren Hansen." <laughs> <laughs>
3: Jim, that wasn't fair.
2: Okay. <laughs> I was gonna, I was that was gonna, very nasty. Just, I'll tell you what. He's just not going to let a bunch of shit slide. <laughs> Excuse my <laughs> language. Okay. Uh, so if you can deal with him, okay, man, you're going to last a long time. Congratulations to Kathy uh, getting that job and for all she did for Curling Canada. We'll be anxious to see what happens over the next few months. All right. Let's whip along. It was confirmed in July that both the Scotties and Breyer will have 18 teams going forward. With four of those teams, uh, will be determined by a means we've never seen before uh, other than winning their Provincial Territory Championship. So we already had Team Canada. Uh, now there's three more teams that are going to be determined based on their CTRS numbers. Team Canada for the Scotties is Carrie uh, Anderson. And for the Briar, it's uh, first time we've heard this name, Brad Guju. Uh, what's that, about the 64th time this guy will be in the Briar? Uh, It was confirmed that teams Botcher and Dunstone will be playing in the Briar, along with teams uh, Jones and Holman, uh, will be in the Scotties. Uh, So it's obviously some sort of points thing. Another men's team and another women's team will be named following the Provincial Territory playoffs in early 2024. Uh, Kev, more teams. Uh, I, if you guys don't like this, then you're going back on what you said the whole way along. That it's time to get rid of the provincial resi- or the provincial uh, restriction, and and now it's opened up to more teams. What do you think, Kev? Well, yeah, it's opened up
1: to more teams. Um, I, the the bottom line, uh, one one thing that has to occur, which this will pretty much do, and that's to make sure that you have your top four five or six teams in the national championship in order to mm-hmm. be the champ you have to beat the champ and uh so we have to make sure all the best teams are there on the women's side and the men's side and this should for the most part do it um i don't think it guarantees it be because uh, some provinces are really really deep and uh, you've got some of your top teams not mentioned yet so um we'll see it's it's certainly mm-hmm. better than than not having all the top teams right but uh you know, 18 teams that's a that's that's a lot of teams at a national right. championship but uh, at least we'll have our top teams there and that's really important you must like it Warren
3: it's going in the right direction uh, if they can <laughs> if they can continue <laughs> so to tough, continue to move in that direction I, I think that it's where it has to go but um I won't get into it because we've been into it so many times but I still feel that it's 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 a whole different entity of how we determine a, a Canadian mm-hmm. champion uh into Simply still bring in so many teams that have no chance. Um, to me, still doesn't make sense. But anyway, it's a step in the right direction. Good.
2: Uh, we'll get your quick thoughts, fellas. It was announced uh, that the Olympic mixed doubles trials will be held 14 months ahead of the Olympics in the spring of 2024. The total teams involved will be 16, and the playoff system and location of that event will be announced at a later date. Uh, as well, Canadian curlers, love this, will be able to play in mixed doubles as well as four person curling at the Olympics, if they want to, Kev, it's about time. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's all. It's
1: about time. If you're lucky enough that your country has a Gretzky, like uh, Bruce Mowat, say, um, or an Oscar Erickson, if, if if we're lucky enough to have have a Gretzky like that, great. Let let them play every possible medal chance for us. You know, we're just mm-hmm. lucky to have a person like that, and that's great. Um, Fourteen months out, I think that's uh, that's good. Um, we need time to get ready. the uh, The international teams are so good now that uh, for us to have a chance to get on the podium, we better be uh, we better be giving the teams a good, honest effort, and uh, they'll have that with fourteen months. They can practice hard. They can go hard as a mixed doubles uh, pair mm-hmm. and and play in lots of events and, and get ready for the Olympic games. So I, I I'm good with the 14 months for sure. And I really like the fact that if you're lucky enough to have you know somebody that that can play both at a high level, they play both fantastic.
2: Warren, i i you know it it wouldn't surprise me if if players opt out of playing in the mixed doubles to stay with their four man team. Do you think it'll ever go the other way? saying, I'm not playing on the 4 I'm just going to play mixed doubles.
3: Well, we have a few dedicated mixed doubles players now out there, both at the Canadian and world level. And I think that may grow with time. But mm-hmm. I, I think the option always has to be there. If you want to go both ways, go ahead. It, it's right. up to you and your decision. I think out of this announcement, the other one that still is a is an unsolved issue, and that is the timing of the actual Olympic trials for four-person. They've mm-hmm. put a little bit of more space in there. I think they're going into the second last week of November but I think the players overall still feel it's too tight to the Olympics itself and and I believe it is too so I'm not sure how they're going to deal with that one going forward but uh, that's still an issue as far as I'm concerned
2: as we carry through what's happening around the curling world thanks a lot to Jackpot City but before we move along Warren I'd mentioned at the top that there were a couple of uh, curling names that uh, passed away this past summer
3: Yes, we'd like to offer certainly Inside Curlings condolences to the family of Lois Fowler and Larry McGrath, both well-known people in the curling world. Larry was a three-time Canadian mixed champion in a four-person mix going back to the 60s and early 70s. He's the only player to have ever won three Canadian mixed championships as a skip. Larry curled his entire career in Kindersley, Saskatchewan. He was a farmer there and as a result had a lot of time in the winter to curl and did so when he was in his younger years. He actually made a buyer appearance in 1974 where he finished second and he actually won the Sportsmanship Award Ross Hearthstone Trophy at that briar. Larry was also a huge pin collector, attended briars for years uh, after he was playing and was known by many, many people and he will be missed in the curling world. The other person, Lois Fowler from Brandon, Lois was in the Scotties three times. She finished in the silver medal position, I believe, in nineteen ninety-three. In nineteen ninety-three, Lois was scheduled to be the host chair of the Scotties, but actually ended up playing in it, which was a very unusual situation. She also played with her son Rob in the Canadian Mix in nineteen ninety-eight, and in twenty fifteen she was the world senior women's champion. So well known family in Brandon, the Fowler family. Husband Brian played in the Briar in nineteen ninety seven, and of course, son Rob has been on the uh, Briar Trail as well. So we offer again our sincere uh, condolence to both those families.
2: Wasn't was Larry kicking around the briars, Warren, when I was there? Was he
3: a big big pin collector? Or? Big pin collector. Larry was, uh, was always looking for pins. I remember that.
2: Okay, there you go. Uh, thanks, Jackpot City. Uh, brings you what's happening around the curling world. Hot Rock Topics is next. I'm brought to you by Coyote Tractor. If you have work to do, Coyote has the tractors, the UTVs and the ZTRs, and compact construction equipment to do it. Coyote, we dig dirt. Curling Canada again this year introduced a couple of new twists at the points bet the invitational this past week. The game was divided into two 19 minute halves with no ability to carry time forward uh, from the first half to the second half. That's kind of a good idea. Uh, a timeout was allowed for the first half and one again for the second half. Also, all ties were settled by a se- I don't like this. All ties were settled by a single rock draw to the button by each team immediately following the conclusion of the 10th end. All right, Warren, you go first. What's what's the idea of splitting up the game into only two halves for timing?
3: I think the idea was to speed up the game, and I guess the big thing is so you couldn't bank time in the first five ends that you could use in, in the latter part of the game. Mm -hmm. Uh, I didn't see it having much impact on the overall timing of the event at all from my point of view. I think the games were still going pretty much the same length and I didn't really see much impact on it. Uh, The draw the button, interesting idea, I guess, as to how it's applied, when and where. Kevin and I talked, I think the process needed to be a little different. I think when you're drawing to the button, the team who would normally have last rock in the extra end should have the choice of who throws first and at one player should have to throw the in turn, the other one the out turn. It should be the choice of again the player who would have had last rock in the in the extra end to make that decision. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I, I don't think there was anything uh, huge uh, as a result of that change. Kevin, what do you think? Well, I like the fact
1: that uh, trying something new. I um, I definitely like the idea of uh, a time per end. Down the road, somewhere down the road, curling will be time per end to speed things mm-hmm. up as much as possible. So this is, I guess, one more step towards that having 19 minute halves. It's a, it's a step in the right direction. So I think that's, mm-hmm. that's good. Um, as far as the draw the button goes, I th- I think it's very exciting. So I, I kind of like it actually. I know you don't like it, Jimmy, right. but I, I actually like it. It's, yeah, uh, I do you know, too. Uh, for the people on, you know, watching, watching either uh, on TV or streaming, um, it's exciting. It's an exciting finish to, uh, to a game. It's quick, uh like in soccer the uh the shootout at the end i i I think it's fun, yeah,
2: I don't <laughs> I, I play I play all week i I kick the crap out of everyone, and then they go okay, by the way, uh nice job, well done, uh, just one shot here that you have against whoever uh I don't like it,
3: but Jim it's a show, Jim, it's a show, you're putting on a show well, <laughs> is
2: the game really is Warren, is the game really that broken, okay, I don't think so, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
3: a topic for another, uh, another day.
2: uh there we go. Uh, a bunch of stuff to talk about. Email us insidecurling at gmail.com We'd love to hear from you, and uh, we'd love to hear from you agreeing with me. Okay, on the uh, on, on the shootout. Of course, we do it uh, many many shows. Uh, we have a guest, and uh, today is no exception. It's in the house. It's brought to you by Goldline. Goldline Curling's Impact Brooms maximize performance for carry, hold, and carve. Learn more at goldline.com. Welcome our first guest, and no one better than uh, a recent champion and uh, multiple provincial champion. I think I was reading 11... Uh, maybe eleven briar appearances. Of course, won the world championship with Jeff Stoughton, and we're talking about the the man who wears many hats. Uh but but this week he wore uh, the winning hat, and uh, knocked off everybody else to win the points bet, uh, and won fifty k. Uh, would you please welcome Reed Carruthers? Hey, Reed, how are you?
0: I'm great. Thanks for having me on the show again, guys. Yeah, pretty it's pretty cool being on your first one of the year. Yeah, thank you.
2: Uh, have you have you dipped into the 50K yet?
0: Uh, yeah, I came home to a cracked window in the basement, so there's that. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh,
2: anyway, congratulations, Reid. Uh, well done. Um, you know, when I said a man who wears many hats, uh, we know you certainly uh, as a coach, too, of um, of uh, Anderson's team, uh, which is no, no, <laughs> no small feat, uh, coaching a great team like that, and you as a player. And uh, did I did I read uh, somewhere that you're also a substitute teacher
0: yeah I haven't been in a few years but uh, yeah I am a teacher so at some point I'll go back to to doing that because I love it but I find coaching is kind of like that perfect bridge because uh, it, it has it has the teacher feel sometimes and I'm obviously learning from the girls too it's not just about coaching it's it's uh, yeah we, we help each other for sure Yeah, cool.
2: Well, well done, man. Uh, Talk about the victory this weekend, uh, how you felt going in and, uh, and uh, obviously uh, you must've felt great after Uh, your, your team was ready. Uh, What, what was your sort of feeling uh, going through the event?
0: Yeah. You know, like even the start of the year, we've been, we made lots of technical changes in the off season. We've been working with uh, uh, the high performance team at Curl Canada And, uh, you know, we had a camp in August and then we did another camp before our first event in Oakville with our coach Rob Meakin. And, uh, yeah, you know, like we've been building, you know, I know with technical changes, sometimes, you know, in the heat of the moment in games, you still have the old tendencies from the old throw. So I still think there's a bit of that and obviously room to grow. But, you know, we we just came off a two week stretch. We went straight from Cornwall from the Shorty Jenkins uh, classic, didn't go home. Uh, spent, spent a couple of days in Oakville practicing on the ice there. Um, Scott Foster does a great job, um, at the Oakville curling club, making sure the ice is awesome. So, you know, what more, what more could you hope for when you're prepping for a big event like the points bet?
2: Yeah. Uh, as each year passes with, um, with curling and all the events, uh, there just, uh, is more and more and more events to play. Uh, every sport seems to want to do it, you know, golf, is we we just finished the Ryder Cup by the way, and and golf seems to go year round. Um, are you okay with that, Reid? That there's that that curling now has become full time for for guys like yourself, and how are you going to manage that time in that heavy schedule?
0: Yeah. You know, what? like for us, like I found last year, we started playing a little bit too early, started throwing a little bit too early. Um, I think we were going to have this new model of, you know, no events before September 1st for our team. Mm -hmm. You know, I liked that we had August to practice. We had ice in Winnipeg. So we started throwing the start of August and that seemed okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, now that we're done end of April, I think You know, I wouldn't want the season to go any longer than that. I think the the off-season is equally important in your preparations going into the year.
2: Very good, man. Uh, One of the great throwers. The Bear. It's your first interview of the year, Kevin. And then we'll bring in the guy who really knows what he's talking about. But you go first, Kevin.
1: (laughs) Hey, Reed. congratulations. Again. Again, after a second year in a row winning the points bet. But I really want to get into, you just brought up summertime. And I I, we weren't, I didn't even think of talking about this, but you're right. You said the it's just as important, the break, as it is the season. And I kind of agree with you. So you're done at the end of April, and you, you started throwing in early August. Yeah. So can you kind of walk me through um, May, June, July? That's only three months. It's only 12 weeks. And there's got to be different things your body has to accomplish to be able to go out in august and throw well
0: yeah you know like and i think you you end of the season like i don't care if you're skip or lead your your body goes through it's quite the grind especially with the amount of practice throws and you know i you know as, as i'm getting older i'm definitely finding i'm getting a little more achy um so you know the couple of weeks off after our last event is important but then you know, you kind of work your way back into, uh, starting the, the, the off ice trainings, you know, being in the gym, uh, and whatnot and getting active, um, you know, trying to get into the best playing shape possible, uh, maybe even rehabbing injuries if you have them. Um, so yeah, for me, you know, I, I spent a lot of time this off season getting myself ready. Uh, this is the best my body's felt in a long time. And I know, uh, I can say the same for the rest of my teammates. You know, they worked really hard this offseason.
1: Yeah, well, let's talk about your your teammates, especially Brad Jacobs. You uh, you guys started about halfway through the season. It, it looks comfortable. I'd love to hear your thoughts on Brad and, and his getting into the third position a little more. Of course, gold medalist uh, as a skip. So uh,
0: his his transition, I guess, if you will. Yeah, you know, like, and it's, it's felt great. Uh, The overall chemistry on and off the ice is awesome. He fits in really well with, uh, with our personalities and teams or throughout the rest of the team. And I feel like, you know, he brings a level of intensity that I haven't normally operated at. Um, I had a little bit of that when I had uh, Braden Muscawi playing third, you know, he was maybe a little bit on the intense side out on the ice, which I think was good for me. Cause sometimes I can, I can al- almost off rate, like almost like at a, a level, you know, how I approach things, um, maybe almost too calm sometimes. And, and I feel like, you know, he gets me extra engaged because of just that overall intensity that he brings, whether we're up by two or down by two or whatever the score may be. So, um, it's a healthy balance. And as far as he goes, um, you know, he's in great shape. He's done a really good job as a sweeper. He's still learning the ins and outs of being, a you know, a a high-profile uh, sweeper, uh, you know, it's not easy from going from uh, skipping for a very, very long time, obviously, into um, into playing third where you're sweeping and obviously your shots change a little bit. So, you know, he's been working hard on that. You know, he's still in great shape, uh, surprise, surprise. And uh, I think, you know, we're still figuring out um, what it is exactly that we need to say to each other when we're on the ice in big game moments to get the most out of each other.
1: You know what? That's that. And I'll let Warren in here in, in a minute. But you, a couple of things with with Brad. Yes, intensity. I think that's a safe bet. Fitness. I think that's a safe bet. But when it comes to a, an event like Points Bet, which I don't know if there are any others like it, where it's single knockout, um, I guess the the how you go into a game because um, every every it's, it's sudden death. The entire week is sudden death. That's very strange for curling. Is that something you and Brad work on together to try to be prepared? Obviously, you've won it twice in a row, so whatever you're doing is working. But what is it? Is there something different that you do on a sudden death event?
0: Well, I just I like that it's ten ends, so it's like for me, I'm trying to exercise patience at the highest level. Um, you know, just waiting for that opportunity that I have to either win the game or give the ch- give ourselves a chance to win the game. Um, try, not, not, try not to get down too much early, maybe even blanking a couple ends early in the game just so that you don't you know, have that one end where you're facing two or three with your last one and give up a big steal that can kind of deflate the team and the momentum that you're feeling going into a game. Um, because yeah, it's mental warfare. It feels like, it feels like every game's a uh, wild card game. And I've been in those games before. I knew the pressure, of what that felt like. Um, and for us, I just felt like we brought, the brought a help, a healthy balance of, you know, the intensity when we needed it, but also exercising the patience and just trying to give ourselves a chance and ends nine and
3: 10. Hmm. Awesome. Hey, Warren, go ahead. Great. Well, congratulations, Reed. It was a, a great win. Interesting one. Let's talk a little bit about the final game. And uh, going into the ninth end, you're down three with the hammer. And you chose to do something that uh, we probably haven't seen happen to often. You deliberately went about to blank the ninth end. And of course, you scored three in the 10th and uh, in the shootout were the winner. So is that something you would consider if that wasn't a shootout to determine the winner? Or what was your thought process on that whole? decision
0: yeah 100% would have approached it differently um you know playing against a team like that Dunstone's an unbelievable team uh and they were outplaying us right so we uh we had our backs against the wall and and also not having any more timeouts we were looking at the clock thinking like there's a there's a two for one here uh the chances of us You know, getting a deuce in the ninth end with the hammer, pretty high. Especially Dunstone being, you know, up three. He's very happy being up one coming home with. uh, You know, the odds of him winning that game would be astronomical. Um, So for us, I thought, you know what, like, um, it was actually the front end that brought it up, and I was quick to agree with it. Uh, You know, blanking nine, saving some time clock. You know, there's a win there. And then going into the 10th end where, you know, the pressure's on the line, you know, you're just hoping for an opportunity where you get one miss in the, in the end and, you know, you can put some pressure on them. And if you get a three in the last end and have to go draw right away, um, you know, that's not a, probably not a great feeling uh, for them to be in. So. That was our whole goal. Uh, I know some of the announcers hated it, but you know what? Like It's uh, the points bet invitational, right? So I think we're supposed to gamble a little bit, right? <laughs> good gamble. <laughs>
2: nice <No, good>. said. <laughs> I like that. Yeah.
3: So let's talk about the shootout because Kevin and I have chatted about this as well. Did Were you aware exactly what the procedure was going to be for the shootout as to who would throw first, etc.?
0: Yeah, like we had read the document before the tournament started, of course. It sounds like some of the teams hadn't, but that's another story. Uh, Not Dunstone, but uh, some of the other teams were apparently baffled by the fact that uh, you didn't have to draw on opposite sides, uh, because that's a new rule that they started this year. Last year, when we were in Fredericton, you know, we were playing Gushu in a draw, and um, I got to choose which side I was going on. And in that game, one of the sides was uh, like remarkably slower, um, you know, there's had been frost that had built up. So, you know, in that game, I got to draw first, I went on the good side, put a good draw in, and he, he had a lot of trouble. So they made the rule change that you could throw on the same side. Um, so we knew that I knew I'd be going first. And to be honest, sometimes going first is almost an advantage. If you put a half decent draw in, it puts, you know, when you're drawing for that amount of money, it puts that extra pressure in that last rock thrower. And, um, you know, with the way Mine ran down the sheet. I was a little bit light. The guy swept it the whole way. Uh, I just felt like, you know, Matt threw really good weight, but he kind of got caught in a path that my rock had traveled and his just skated up the sheet.
3: What do you think about shootouts to determine the uh, the victor in any contest? And I'm thinking, let's suppose they were to do that in the briar in the round robin, but save the extra ends for the playoffs. What would be your thoughts on that? Um,
0: I I would say no. Um, You know, I feel like our team is a very a uh, very good drawing team. That's uh, one of our skill sets that I feel like we do really a really good job on and draw the button. But overall, you know, I do like playing a 10th or, a, you know, an extra end uh, to determine the fate of the winner. But, like, you know, going to this event is no different than last year. Um, we know that we're a strong drawing team, so let's, let's take it to a draw. So there were some games earlier, uh, you know, last year and even this year where – you know, we may have been down or, or in a trouble situation, but we said, look, look, like, let's just get to a draw and, and hopefully we can be the victor in that. In that,
3: Let's talk about the Briar for a bit and the fact there's been a change there. So it seems like 18 teams is now going to be the norm. But to the situation of how the teams get there, there's going to be a change. So for the first time, we're going to actually see four teams out of the 18. are going to come from the Canadian team ranking system. Uh, team Cat, of course, is already there, Gushu. Two other teams... Have already been declared uh, through their points already, and you're kind of the the one that just didn't quite make it. But uh, you should probably have a chance if you don't win Manitoba. I would think to grab that fourth spot. What do you think of this uh, change in the whole process? Do you like it?
0: Yeah, I don't. I don't mind it. I think you know. There's also a win where. I do know that there's some teams that don't play in provincial playdowns because they're nervous about playing against the, you know the the top teams in their province. You know, feel like they don't have uh, that chance to win, which you know is unfortunate. Um, so if you're naming those teams ahead of time, I do think that there's you know there's an advantage on that side, and then also from like a, a selfish standpoint, if you're one of the teams that's you know top three or four in Canada. And you know you're already being playing in the nationals. It's 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 nice to have like you know that time ahead of time to uh, prep. You know, like instead of having two and a half weeks before you know thinking, oh, I may or may not be going to the Briar. Uh, you know, you can do a training camp weekend that time instead. So um, yeah, I do like it um, this year. This year's a little unique because there's only the one wildcard spot and it's going to be determined the same way, where it's after provincials. So, there's a bit of a points chase going on. Um, but yeah, we're going to do our best to put
3: ourselves in a chance to uh, hopefully have a safety blanket. So, moving forward, it's also been made clear that if a team was to choose to do so, they could have a team that doesn't currently meet the residency rules if, in fact, they were to only select this process as to how they qualify for the Briar, And it looks like Gushu uh, maybe already has that in mind with the number of events it's, it seems he's playing this year because, of course, if he has to go back through the province, I think he's got a residency issue. Do you think you might see teams starting to uh, go away from residency rules and just try to approach the whole thing this way, or what do you think will happen with that going forward?
0: Yeah, like I think that's possible. Um, but to be honest, like I've been on teams that have all been, you know, from from your home province, and I've had imports in years past. Like when it comes down to it, if if we're trying to chase the international teams. You know, I'm, I'm all for having an import or two, if it makes your team actually stronger. Uh, The one downfall is obviously not being able to practice with your team full time, but you know, like that's on the teams to go and uh, make up for that time, you know, not having your person in the province, you know, you'll have to make up for it in other ways, but um, I'm all for it. I think, you know, I, I want to see the Canadian teams win. Um, you know, it's, it's good for everyone in the long run. Um, and the international teams are unbelievable right now. So uh, we got some work to do to catch up.
1: Um, so last last year, this event you won, but then struggled, to be honest, for, for most of the rest of the year. It seems different to me, actually, but but I guess I'd love to hear from your side of things, the momentum that you've got right now. How are you going to keep that going and not have what happened last year happen? Because we, yeah. we had this discussion, read about yeah. a year ago. And, and yeah. you know, and, and you're on a super high at that time.
0: Yeah, no, we did, we did have a turbulent year, but you know, at the end of the day, uh, we we had a bunch of different spares come in and play we played three-handed and we still somehow finished uh, top five ctrs which you know i thought of that as almost like a win so you know i know we have high expectations of our team you know in general so last year was obviously a bit of a disappointment but there was also some positives to take out of it and then now this year you know we're going into it with a clean slate with a full-time lineup that's uh driven motivated and yeah like you know we won an event but you know it wasn't pretty we we obviously have lots of things that we want to work on and there's some awesome teams in canada that we have you know we're going to have our hands full with but uh you know we're going to keep pushing and keep pushing the envelope and prove that we're one of the top teams in canada
1: i don't think there's any question that you're no yeah you're one of the top teams in canada i think that's safe to say reed that's for sure yeah thank you
3: are you going to play mixed doubles reed no, no, no. Um, I, lo- I love mixed doubles. I
0: think I think it's great. Um, when I wasn't coaching, it was it was something great to you know keep busy, um, getting competitive games in. Uh, I felt like it did help with feel because there's a lot of you know I'd go draw. Uh, draw, hit, draw, hit. Uh, so there were some benefits uh, with playing mix. But now that I'm I'm coaching uh, and I have a one-year-old at home here, I, I don't have time to do it. Um, but there is some experts that are playing. And I I like our chances, um, you know, in Italy for the mixed doubles because there's some great teams in Canada.
1: I guess how much are you going to be traveling with Kerry and company? Because, like, they're so good. And to be honest, with you bringing Brad Jacobs on, you guys have an awesome chance at, at going deep into everything and you're one year old like uh there's only 24 hours in a day <laughs> how how are you going to manage to
0: to do all all of that yeah well the first thing is a very understanding wife and family so i have that uh, i'm very lucky i think and the second thing i think is both you know my men's team and the women's team they're very understanding that like look i only have so much time so i would say like over the last year or so that i've been working with the team you know i've been a lot more involved with curl Canada and the national coaches than I ever had in years past. And they've done an excellent job of supporting me and obviously team, uh, Anderson, uh, when I can't be around. So, as an example, I can't come to the Pan Continental Championships this year, so they're sending two national coaches with the team. And with that, you know, like I'm not going to have uh, a coach go in that hasn't worked with them before. So, you know, like we've been we've been involved in like using some of the national coaches in practices uh, with me there and without me there just so that it it doesn't seem like that big of a transition when I'm not around and Two of the ladies still live here, close close to home, so I'm still practicing with them as much as I can. And just my days are normally, you know, I practice with Connor and Derek, and then you know I'm throwing with Brianne and Carrie. So it's it's uh, it's busy, and then I'm off to daycare to pick up my son. Reed is is
2: coaching Carrie Anderson's team. Uh, she's she's you know it's kind of the Wayne Gretzky of curling right now. Um, do, is it difficult to do it? How, how much of it? Or, or do we just stand back and go, I got an idea. I'm a curler too. I can swipe a bunch of ideas from this girl.
0: Well, yeah, you know, like it, I'm obviously inspired by, you know, her drive. You know, she's incredibly hardworking. Everyone on that team is and she pushes the envelope, but you know, she's a constant learner. I found when I was curling back with Stauden, um, I was very impressed with his drive as well. You know, he was i think forty four when I started curling with him, and he was sitting in the front of a you know a workshop with his pen and paper trying to figure out how to improve so any of these top teams, you know, we're all, we, we take it as professional as we can. And I, I just find being around them is inspiring, especially Carrie, you know, she gets that killer look in her eye and she goes and makes those big doubles or clutch draw. Um, and it's a lot of fun to to be around and work with them. And both of our teams are, are also trying to go through some technical changes to make ourselves a little bit more consistent. So I feel like we're helping each other through that. Um, we we recorded
2: a time when uh, the Blue Jays, tee it off tonight they made the playoffs I'd I mentioned about the Ryder Cup there's all this talk all these days in sports about analytics uh that that people are looking at and using uh, I know the other day the Oilers hired an analytics coach and uh it's a, sort of the first times we're seeing this does it come into play in curling uh Reed uh, over the years has it changed and and do you look at you know, something like you know, against this team, we we are gonna have more success throwing, you know, interns than we are out, or we got to leave them this sort of shot because they're not very good at it.
0: Oh well, yeah, hundred hundred percent. You know, we have as a national team, we have access to some data, uh, and that's something that's new over the last couple of years. Um, you know, which which obviously helps. Um, it's something else in the uh, in the toolkit to to utilize. And I've been, you know, sitting on the bench, you know, going back to the the learning stage here, sitting on the bench at the world championships next to Renee Sonnenberg. And, you know, she's, she's someone that manages that data. And, you know, I saw firsthand at, at both world championships, the importance of it.
2: Well done, man. Um, Reed, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, you, you probably,
0: I don't know, you probably have about
2: six minutes a day to yourself, uh, your, give us your sched now over the next two, three weeks, four weeks.
0: Yeah, well, uh, it's you know we just came off a two week stretch. Um, I'm going to take a couple days off, and then we're back at practice. So we've got our practices for both teams lined up for this week. Uh, we got two weeks off of competition, so lots of practice uh, back in the gym a little bit, and then we head off to um, the first slam of the year in Niagara. So that'll be a lot of fun. It's a beautiful area. Uh, and then we're going to a brand new tour event that uh, Ryan Harden and Brad and crew are organizing in St. Marie, mm. uh, with a massive purse, and we are very excited to be playing it. Yeah, so sounds like you're doing nothing between the next two. Not a whole <laughs> lot. <long.
2: laughs> Reed Carruthers uh, has been our guest. We really appreciate it, Reed. Uh, well done uh, in winning the first event, and uh, good luck the rest of the year. We really appreciate you coming on. Take it easy, Reed.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Thanks a lot, gentlemen. You have a good one. Hey, thanks, Reed. All right. Take care.
2: Uh, I sure like this guy. You guys, Reed, super cool. I get a feeling, Kev, he's just like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to surround myself with people who are not really good, but who are the best, okay? If I'm coaching, I'm coaching Anderson. If I'm taking on a third, I'm bringing in Brad Jacobs. Uh, it all makes sense. Uh, yeah, big big name in curling now. Uh, and, th- and thanks to him for coming on. Uh, what are you hearing? Is uh, another segment we're doing on the show. What are you hearing is brought to you by Hearing Life. If vision places the world in front of us, Hearing places us at its center. Hearing Life invites you to love your ears with a free hearing test. Uh, I got it done. Uh, Last year I popped in. Yeah, it's a good idea. No referral is needed. Visit hearinglife.ca to book your free hearing test today. Uh, We've been reading conversations on social media suggesting that fans feel that TSN should be video streaming all four sheets of ice at every season of Champions event and they want Sportsnet to do the same thing at the Grand Slam of curling. Uh, I agree, and I know what's going to happen here when I ask for it. <laughs> uh, Warren, how come it doesn't happen? Why don't they do it?
3: Well, because we're in a transition from probably linear television to streaming, which is going to be probably happening over, who knows, the next 10 years. But at this point in time, uh, these events are still, they're primarily linear television production. So... hmm What's happening is the the type of production that's used, it's uh, costly, it's uh, high standards, and uh, as a result, doing one sheet of ice costs a fair amount of money. And to go in and to do four sheets of ice with even lesser standards, but still where it needs to be to be acceptable, would be mm-hmm. pretty costly. But as a result, you're not going to increase the audience any. You've increased your cost of production, And the other issue you're dealing with is sponsorship. So on an event now with either one of these networks, they've got sponsors that are associated with the game that they're televising. If you start doing all four sheets, you now got to flip those sponsors through all four of those telecasts the same way. So again, it's cost with no more revenue attached to it. So we will get to a point in time where I'm sure like it was at the Olympics and, uh, in 2022, where you will have a stream from every sheet of ice, and it'll done in such a manner that it will be able to be put out there economically enough to make it make sense. And the other issue is going to be the fact that it's Canada versus the world. So if we have four sheets of ice going where there's interest in other parts of the world, like a WCF event, you can in fact produce a stream from all three sheets and probably sell it to a network of some sort in another part of the Mm -hmm. world. But on a Canadian-only event, that's not possible. Now, I know somebody's going to jump and say, well, the Bond spiel, where it was last week, they did all four sheets of ice. But they did it with a very low-grade uh, production, to say, the mm. l- to say the least, and it's something that wouldn't be acceptable uh, on a major network. And while I know there's 3.5% of the curling fans out there that'll watch anything, uh, the majority would not. So from that point of view, it, it, it's just not plausible at this point in time. But it will come.
2: And do, and do the networks... Uh- Warren, sort of sort of juggle which games they're going to show, depending how teams are doing through the week, for example?
3: Well, Kevin's directly involved with that with Sportsnet. But in TSN, I know they go through this as a, a discussion that's made with their production crew. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reasons they base, they decide who they're going to televise. in uh, many times, again, it's going to be based on where they think they're going to get the, the biggest audience on, on the next game, because the audience is what makes the money. And if you mm-hmm. have two, game, two teams playing that have no potential draw for audience... It's, it's not a good thing as far as uh, billing their numbers are concerned. So right. that all comes into play. What do you think, Kev?
1: Yeah, well, when it comes to TSN, you're talking about only, only one country. Most of their, their coverage is Canadian teams only. So there's so when you talk about revenues, to Warren's point, uh, who, if you do a second sheet, okay, let's do a second sheet. How are you going to make more revenue? How's that going to draw more money into mm-hmm. the coffers to be able to pay the extra production cost. I I don't, I don't see it at least not now, Mm -hmm. but when it comes to an international event like the WCF run that when I'm doing coverage, we'll do two, three, sometimes up to four sheets of ice because countries like Japan, they will pay to make sure that when you've got, um, somebody as popular, as Sasuke Fujisawa on the ice, Mm -hmm. they want every single one of their games televised professionally. Okay. But then, but, but you've got South Korea being so strong. So every one of their Mm -hmm. games, we have to cover. And then of course, Europe being so strong with, with many, many good teams. So then Eurosport wants every game covered. And then you've got, uh, us, you got Canada and so on. So it's like that for the, for the, uh, for Sportsnet too, in the future, I believe there's going to be a need for maybe not all sheets though, but certainly Mm -hmm. certain countries when they're on the ice playing that feed is going to have to go to that country, so somebody has to produce it. Um, so it'll be more than one sheet in the future, for sure, uh, with the Grand Slams because of the international influence. But when it's only one country, who are you selling to? Right. But internationally, you've got many countries to sell to, so the revenue uh, changes. And uh, as revenue right. grows, you can produce more sheets, and uh, and you have a bigger production, and, and that's a wonderful thing.
2: It's effectively, Warren, isn't it? Like It's effectively... People asking for, I, there's 11 football games. I, I want the option to watch any one of those. Is well, that?
3: Is that pr- pretty much. Right. Pretty much the same thing. I mean, maybe may remember TSN, there was a period of time, I guess between probably about 2008 and 2013, 14, they were, del- they were televising a second sheet of ice. And uh, they tried to make it work, but they finally had to drop it because it just financially wasn't wasn't doable. It was costing too much money and there was no return from it.
2: That's a wrap, baby. Okay, that's a wrap on our first show. Uh, Kev, you will notice that I'm not very cleaned up, Warren. You see that? Got more than a day's growth. And uh, Kevin and I were talking originally when we started doing this show, Warren. Kevin and I both said we're not big morning guys. Okay, <laughs> and so far we've never done a show outside of the morning. So this is my—it's like a playoff beard. Okay, I'm going to keep growing this till we do an afternoon recording. Warren Fogg doesn't get up as early as you do, okay? You're, <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what, without Warren, we don't have a show. Thanks a lot, Warren, for all the work you put into this and each and every show. We want to thank Rod Paulson and his company, who's back with us again, In-House Strategies, for all the great work he does on our Facebook page and our Facebook group. Join it today uh, if you don't belong. We would love to have uh, you express what your opinion is and take on Warren Leave me alone. Leave Kevin alone. Take on more. A reminder again to send us an email, insidecurling at gmail.com. You never know. Your email may get read on air. Thank you to all our sponsors. We've got a new one, Jackpot City. Thank you for joining us. And we've got returning sponsors. Couldn't do it without them. Coyote Tractor, Hearing Life, and Goldline, who make all of this possible. How'd I do, Warren?
3: <laughs> Wonderful, Jim. <laughs> <laughs>
2: You invented, uh, you know, you invented dripping with sarcasm. I've never. (laughs) Kev, how'd I do? Okay, you're my buddy. You got my back.
1: Jimmy, you drove the bus right down the center of the road all game. Thank you. Uh,
2: And thanks, everyone, for joining us again. We're back again next week with another episode. (laughs) I'm all tongue-tied. We're back again. That was our first one in the books. We'll be back each and every week for a good many months now. Thank you for listening and joining us. Tell your friends, won't you, about it, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Warren. Thank you, Kevin. You've been listening to Insight Group. Thanks, Jimmy.
3: Thanks,
1: Jim.